Hello, Malden, and welcome to another edition of 02148 Live from Studio B. I am your host, Jerry Leone, and I'm joined with former Ward 5 School Committee member and former Vice Chair of the School Committee, Adam Weldy. And next to Adam, former Ward 6 City Councilor, Neil Kinnan. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. And uh, today is going to be a, a great show. I hope I can follow my last show. Uh, for the people who... Maybe who just came into Malden, who moved into Malden and not familiar with the both of you. Um, if you want to introduce yourself, starting with Adam, how long you've lived in Malden and sure. what you like about the city. Sure. The difference between uh, your last show and this show, which I, I really enjoyed watching, is last time he had two people who were in office. Now he's got two private <laughs> citizens with him, which yeah. is a nice change of pace. Yeah. Um, no, I, um, I've i lived in the city all my life. I was uh, born and raised in Malden, went through the Malden Public Schools, uh, graduated from Malden High in 2005. Um, and actually, uh, you know, it's, it's because of, mostly because of Malden High um, that I ended up running for and, and becoming a school committee member. Uh, and that was because when I was a freshman in high school, uh, they reestablished this position that used to exist um, years prior. I think it had been at least a decade, but it was a student representative to the school committee. And in 2001, um, they decided, you know, we want to put this this position back. And uh, my, my homeroom teacher um, and my cl- my blue and gold advisor, Arlene Sepatelli and, and Marguerite Gonzalez, you know, I had an interest in getting involved, and and I wanted to uh, I wanted to do something, but I didn't want to run for class office. There was no interest in being like a treasurer or a secretary. And they said, you know, you you really enjoy this this policy and politics stuff. You should think about this uh, school committee representative seat. And and I went to the first meeting in September of the school committee, um, and I went with uh, I think actually Arlene Sepatelli went with me. Um, and I remember sitting in the audience and watching and thinking, all right, this is actually really cool. Like I, I would love to be able to sit in that little side seat, uh, next to the school committee members and, you know, talk about what Malden high students are feeling. And, uh, I ran for it my freshman year in high school and I won and, uh, served as the student representative for all four years that I was in high school. Um, so while I was there, you know, I got the opportunity to, you know, I was there for the switch from citywide school committee to ward-based school committee. So I was sitting in that seat right before the new ward one through eight folks came in. And, and uh, as a high school student, you know, I became particularly close with, with three school committee members in particular in my beginning, which were the ward one guy who sat right next to me, Gary Christensen, uh, the ward five guy, my representative, Greg Lucy, and the ward eight person, uh, Judy Bucci. Um, you know, where I got to be able to meet them and talk about real things that were going on in, in the high school. And Greg and Judy and Gary helped us with some projects that the students were working on at Malden High. And, uh, you know, I got real close to Greg and Marie Lucy and I ended up teaching their son Adam to play the trumpet. And Gary became a good friend. And uh, when I went off to college, um, I was real close. I was at Tufts, so I didn't I didn't go very far and lived in Malden. And um Greg decided he was going to run for the city council for an open councilor at large seat. And, uh, you know, running for the school committee was not something that I had thought about because I wanted to graduate from college and immediately come back and start teaching in Malden and um, got a friendly nudge that you should really try this. You've been up there. You know, you know what the job entails. Um, And I tried. And I lost my first election, and it was one of the most exciting things that we've ever done. Uh, Lost by one vote. 
bigger bigger turnout in the primary than there was in the general. It was a real interesting race, um, but came back two years later, won that election, and served on the school committee um, since for three terms. Um, and it was really because of that helpful nudge and the experience I had up there that I was able to to do that. So I never came back and taught in Malden because I was here in a different capacity. Nice. And, and now you're an assistant principal at Chelsea High. I am at the middle school. No, none of that high school stuff. I like the oh, middle school. I like the younger <laughs> ones. But no, yeah, I'm at the middle school in Chelsea. Uh, I taught in Arlington and Belmont, and I actually had the opportunity to work in Malden last year uh, doing a principal residency at the Forestdale School. Um, and now I'm in Chelsea at the uh, middle school. And do you miss politics? Sometimes. Uh, I miss... I miss the the idea that you can help somebody solve a problem that they're having when they can't figure out uh, how else to do it. And you know, I mean, the thing about school committee is we don't we don't get like the streets and potholes problems. We get the I really don't understand how to navigate the school system problems. Uh, you know, Malden's what one of the most diverse school systems in Massachusetts. When we've got people calling us who don't understand what this form was sent home with their kid. Don't understand why they're being asked to take this survey. Don't understand what a budget cut means for their child. Um, those are problems that it's like, all right, this is cool. We can help them navigate this and figure out what your next step is. So it's, it's that's that's the part that I miss. Okay. And working with good uh, good colleagues. I know my first term, I was I had the honor of serving with you. You were vice chair, and then you I, I thought you would run again, and you didn't. And that's that's how that's <laughs> yeah. how things go. Yeah. Uh, Neil, uh, sure. I uh, I'm a little older than both of you. Uh, I've uh, came into it a different way, um, but I would say that I was involved from a uh, very young age. Uh, my parents were interested. My parents used to go to the uh, city, city council meetings on Tuesday nights, uh, and I can remember my very first drop for a political candidate and uh, knew nothing. It was a guy in the neighborhood who rounded up some kids and said, can you, know, can you help out? And it was Amelia McClett. You guys probably don't remember that name. was on the no. school committee uh, for some time uh, in the early 1970s, right up till the middle 70s. Uh, actually ended up graduating high school with her daughter. Uh, they lived over on the West End, uh, I believe anyways. Uh, so. I uh, was involved in that type of way, uh, really got uh, uh, more active. I was like a, uh, a person who went to the YMCA from the time I was nine years old until I graduated high school. I uh, was on the leader corps, uh, went to uh, leaders camps, things like that. So I was interested in, you know, uh, the, the comings and goings of the city, loved, loved the city of Malden. Uh, much like Adam, uh, had a great experience uh, in the schools. Uh, I, you know, I went to uh, Maplewood for kindergarten. I went to St. Joseph's for first grade. I went to Forestdale the rest of the time. Uh, so I know what it is to bounce around to schools. Went to Brown Junior High. Uh, Brown Junior High uh, uh, was uh, was a tough situation uh, in those days in many respects. There were some uh, very good teachers, but... Uh, things were difficult. Um, I would tell you uh, to this day a large reason for Mystic Valley Charter School from my standpoint uh, existing in the way it was structured uh, was due to Brown Junior High. I always felt as though uh, outside of a few courses, uh, one was a math teacher. Uh, felt like it could have gone from 6th grade to 10th grade because uh, there was a lot of nonsense going on at 
Brown Junior High. Um, and then uh, went to Malden High. Uh, Arthur Boyle was the principal. It was an absolutely great experience. Uh, you know, loved Malden High. Proud graduate, 1980. Uh, you know, went off to school, uh, graduated school. Uh, very, you know, was very interested. Always read the newspaper. Newspapers were, everyone took the Malden News. I delivered newspapers from the time I was 8 till I was 17 in the morning. Uh, I think that had a lot to do with uh, my activity because I just, by nature, read the newspapers from a very young age. Uh, just out of boredom of walking around delivering them. Uh, so uh, my uh, activity picked up in the, uh, in the late 80s after I graduated from college uh, in terms of just uh, being an observer. Uh, wrote a number of letters to the edit editor. I had coached at Malden High uh, for four years uh, swimming. Uh, didn't like what I see, uh, saw what was going on uh, f compared to when I was in school. Uh, a lot, uh, and, and many will hear this a lot uh, from me, uh, my generation to me is a great disappointment. Uh, uh, and it goes even, you know, in the city, not the people that are here, but we had a whole lot of people who abandoned the city, uh, which is a choice. Uh, but they, uh, at least while I was a coach, I did not feel as though that they were giving it their all. I was coming in and seeing things that uh, really disturbed me. Uh, I did write about it, uh, and uh, at that time, that's when I became a uh, true believer, uh, still am, uh, of a residency requirement, uh, particularly for our department heads. Because um, if, you, if you're, and Adam's a, an example, his mom's a teacher, uh, you know, sent, uh, put her kids into the school system, uh, they tend to uh, teachers are great people, absolutely great people. They're generally the very active people in your community, no matter what community you are. Uh, my point has always been, if they're not here, <laughs> they're active in somebody else's community. Okay. Uh, whereas if we had our leaders, if, if uh, you know, uh, and you can stop me if I'm wrong, Adam, uh, but uh, I, wrote uh, I wrote something in uh, about 1990 saying, uh, there would come a day uh, when people like Lenny Iovino uh, and whatnot uh, were no longer going to be around and that every principal in the city would, uh, an administrator, would not live in the city. I think we have reached that day. I don't think there is a principal now. Uh, I think you yeah, Sue Vadalaro just uh, retired. Sue Vadalaro retired. I think you're I think right. there is not one single principal uh, in the system, and you can go back to the letters that I wrote in the early 90s uh, predicting that and predicting that the uh, rate of uh, teachers that lived here would plummet um, unless we uh, made the department heads at least uh, be residents. Because if you, if you make your department heads be residents, uh, what ends up happening is, oh, let's take the police department. And we're lucky we have a uh, police chief who is, you know, a resident. Uh, but if you had to be a resident, the young guys who are young and ambitious, uh, you know, I'm not talking about the rank and file having to be a resident, but if you think you want to be chief someday, you're probably going to hang around. So the young and ambitious are going to hang around till they realize, well, I'm not going to be. But if you hang around for five to ten years and you, and you have kids and you put them in the school system and you're happy, you're probably going to hang around and stay. 
when I was growing up, I had uh, two teachers, uh, a principal, uh, Mr. Ritterhouse, who lived on my street, uh, Mrs. Uh, Cosgrove, uh, who was a reading teacher, uh, lived on my street. Uh, the next street over, right behind me, was two police officers. Uh, there were fire. I, I delivered newspapers to firefighters, police officers, teachers, uh, and I think we've uh, we've lost a lot of that. Uh, and it was very predictable. Uh, it was preventable. Uh, I tried very hard, as did some other people, lobbying behind the scenes uh, for many years for that. Actually, got it to a vote as a uh, as a uh, city councilor, and the vote went ten to one. Uh, and then the current mayor uh, vetoed it and, uh, and peeled off a few, uh, few councilors, uh, and it ended up uh, failing seven to four. Uh, I think that's a game changer uh, long term, because uh, again, it, uh, if, if the guy who's uh, working for Ford uh, isn't driving a Ford, you probably ought not drive a Ford either. Uh, so, uh, you know, I know this is going to catch flack. I'm not up for election. I'm just giving you a perspective. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, how I started. Uh, school department was very important to me. Education was very important to me. Uh, things, you know, you know with the middle school went to uh, all to the, I think both of yeah, you went yeah. to the high school, right, yeah. at one time. Uh, and, it, and it always comes down to money. It always comes down to money. We ran, we're running out of money, but at the same time, we went from a population in the school system. Uh, when I graduated, about 8,800 uh, in the early 90s down to 5,200, and we weren't adjusting. No. And so what happens if you don't adjust gradually is you end up having to adjust uh, in a reactionary mode, uh, and that is indeed what, what did happen. Uh, and then, uh, you know, there was... Uh, uh, another thing I was big on in the early 90s, and uh, Steve Finn put it forward, I think, with uh, Henry Gennetti, uh, was residential tax uh, exemption. Uh, it passed the council. Eight ward councilors voted for it. The then mayor uh, vetoed it, uh, peeled off somebody, <laughs> and uh, that was in 1993. Uh, I was irate, uh, much like I am about this uh, potential continuing to build. Uh, so we didn't have Facebook or anything like that back in those days. So I printed up some handbills and uh, I walked around the entire city uh, dropping people's houses, asking them to call the then mayor. Uh, had, ultimately had a meeting with him, didn't go too well, uh, continued uh, doing that and then Richard Howard decided to run uh, and I became his campaign coordinator. Uh, and, you know, had worked with Steve Finn in my own ward. Steve was a great guy, great counselor. Uh, learned a lot uh, from him. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, I uh, was with Richard Howard from the beginning. Uh, I could tell you all about the school plan. I can tell you about sitting in the 99 in August of 1995. Uh, and uh, Richard saying, you know, t to myself and Henry Gennetti, who were with him, and both wanted to start a charter school at that time, uh, can you wait? I, I think I can work with them, and uh, I get this plan. Uh, we can, you know, I think we can step it up and get 90% reimbursement. We'll go, f uh, go forward with the Lincoln School. 
because uh, the Lincoln School is, you know, we, he voluntarily said we'd like to enter into a desegregation plan, although it was only at 48%. The state forced you into one at 50%. Uh, and uh, he might have gone much further, but he, he, he did the right thing for the city of Malden. Uh, he supported Governor Weld, even though he was a Democrat. And suddenly we ended up, and I don't know how, uh, but we ended up at the top of the list for the 90%. We got the 90% reimbursement, and the schools went up. Uh, in 1997, uh, uh, he, he called me, said uh, that Henry uh, had made contact through, I think, Senator Tissay, uh with this company ab about a potential uh, school, uh, and he, he knew I was gearing up anyways because uh, I wasn't happy with what was going on. Uh, but this was a better idea because rather than have a job, you might be able to hire a company that could help you do this. And he asked me to go down and uh, check it out uh, in North Carolina if I came back. And I was on board uh, that he would, uh, he would get on board, and both he and Senator Tissay would support the idea, which was big, in, in order to get a charter. Uh, because, and the reason, the reason I was given at that time couldn't get the teachers off a dime on a full day kindergarten. That is the reason why it happened. 30 days after we got the charter, the teachers union negotiated for full day kindergarten. Uh, so it, it did work uh, in many respects. Seven years later, uh, Joan Conley uh, testified in front of the uh, Department of Education. It's in the minutes. Uh, and said that when asked, you know, why do you want to go to a longer school day at the Ferryway and the Salemwood? Why would you like to do that? Uh, and she said, I need to only look down the street and see that they're getting very good results, and it's only about the kids. And, uh, and the world is changing, and the longer school day could be very helpful for some people. Uh, so that, that, you know, that changed. For me, it was, uh, it was always about the kids. Um, you know, it goes back to my days as a leader, goes back to my days at Brown Junior High, uh, goes back to my days in sw swimming competitively. I don't get this idea that people don't want to compete. Competition is good. Uh, 80, the biggest uh, thing in my lifetime that I remember was the breakup of AT&T. If AT&T wasn't broken up, all these nice devices everybody's carrying around wouldn't, wouldn't ever have occurred would not have occurred because if you go back to the AT&T days in the 1970s and you wanted a phone, you had two choices, black or white. And, uh, and so monopoly, government monopoly, whatever type of monopoly, uh, really, uh, you know, uh, is not uh, the best thing for consumers. Uh, so, you know, are there problems with, uh, uh, with, things that aren't regulated? Do I believe there should be regulation? Absolutely. Uh, but regulation, not uh, ultimately complete control. Yeah. Uh, because those who are good at whatever their profession are, they will always work. The cream rises, uh, and, and they will, you know, rise to the top. Adam is now in management. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so he, as he gets further into management, uh, he's going to see more and more of this, uh, but he's, you know, in a difficult situation uh, always, uh, you know, with the municipalities and uh, some in the unions, some, not, not most, but it only takes a few 
to tie things up. Nice. And, uh, and so that was my foray. Richard Howard appointed me fire commissioner. I was fire commissioner for eight years. I was fire commissioner during a very difficult time, during a recession. Uh, very proud of it. I know I still have some, uh, some people who are not too friendly to me uh, over, you know, things that went down over 15 years ago. Uh, but I will say this, in the, uh, every recession since the 19, uh, 1981 uh, recession, uh, there's only one recession that the fire department didn't suffer uh, permanent cuts, and that was in the recession that I was fire commissioner. Uh, and, you know, I was, uh, it's a difficult time uh, telling, you know, we'd go down in manpower, uh, but Richard Howard, uh, you know, said basically you got to, cut overtime, or we're going to have to cut heads. So we cut overtime. Uh, but again, uh, I think the fire department is a uh, tremendous department here. D uh, they do a tremendous job. It's a great experience for me. Uh, and then uh, was a short time on the DPW, uh, about two years, DPW commission. And, and then finally, uh, uh, Maplewood, as you know, Jerry, was having some crime problems. Uh, and I ended up running for uh, ward councilor when uh, Councilor Faye died, uh, and with a few goals in mind. Uh, number one was crime, to bring that down. I thought we could do that. We brought in cameras. I uh, was able to convince the, uh, the mayor that we needed a beat cop for a while. Uh, we had that for three years. And uh, crime is, you know, the interior of Maplewood, uh, no, no ward is safer today. Uh, the biggest challenge the city has, I think, is up on Broadway. Um, and, you know, so that was my number one concern, having four children of my own, uh, just being able to walk the streets anytime, anywhere. Uh, the police department did a fantastic job uh, in a very difficult situation. We had uh, an average of 1.68 uh, incidents a day. Uh, when I left office, that was about 0.53. Uh, so we, uh, you know, really plummeted that uh and the city uh the city actually has cameras all over the uh all over the city now uh we piloted that in uh in ward six with uh the help of uh the school uh the private businesses allowing us to put them all on their buildings uh at one time you know we had about 30 cameras down in maplewood going from uh you know from saint joseph's all the way up to uh 630 Salem Street over to Trafton Park. Yeah, it really does make a difference when people think they're being watched. Uh, so that was a, bi a big thing. Uh, there was High Rock. There was uh, Hanover Street flooding. and wanted to improve the parks and always uh, uh, do what I could do in terms of uh, pushing, uh, pushing the schools along uh, uh, to some type of improvement. What is amazing to me. Uh, is that this year they came down with the school budget, uh, and the school budget increases three, uh, 3 3.3%. Uh, last year it was about 4%. The year before was 2 point something percent. It's the lowest increases uh, four years that I'm aware of, and I've, you know, I'm, I would consider myself kind of like a historian of the school system and the budget side of it. Going back to the early 70s, I got all the data at home. And uh, it's an amazing thing because in the first two years of this administration, uh, the first budget was an 11.1% increase. Uh, the next budget was 
eight, uh, 8.6, I think it was. Uh, the two largest increases in the history of the city uh, set us on a path, uh, a very uh, fiscally uh, perilous path uh, in the first two years. Glad to see uh, that that's been reined in. And, the, uh, and I would say that uh, this year's budget uh, is pretty fiscally responsible. Uh, you know, there's always things you can wrangle about, this and that. Uh, but overall, it, you know, it's a, it's a very good effort. The mayor's done a good job with the team he's got uh, on that. And, uh, and anybody who knows me, uh, if I didn't believe that was so, <laughs> I wouldn't say it. Uh, and, and I've had some knockdowns over the budget with, uh, with people that, that first year. Uh, I'm still proud of the uh, standing up. Um, but, but I was demonized by some on the council and the mayor for asking for that budget to go from 11% down to 8%. Uh, that was a completely fiscally irresponsible budget in the first year. Uh, a feeding frenzy is what I call it. Uh, but again, uh, seems to have gotten his arms around it, much like the roads. And, uh, you know, so that's it. That's my story. I'm here for Malden. I'm retired. Uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not a commentator. I've already started my commentating. Uh, dis greatly disappointed in, in, uh, in the uh, plans going on in the background, uh, you know, that some people are sneaking around with on, on, uh, on continuing to do what I call stack and pack. That's going to stop. And maybe, uh, you know, Adam knows from the school system this idea that kids, <laughs> kids aren't living in apartment buildings is a complete fallacy. And so I'll end there. <laughs> well, that's well, you touched upon something earlier when you began about building. I, I being from the school committee, you know, when I was on the school committee, one uh, one of the things we used to get from parents are classrooms are overcrowded. Classrooms are overcrowded. They wanted a fast solution, but we wish we could. We wish we could make, you know, wave a magic wand and fix things and put another school, but as you know, it, it takes money. I happen to believe that we need to stop building, and that's how we stop overcrowding. Is it that simple, Adam? How, how do you see this? I, you know, I don't know. I think that you know we used to get those numbers from apartment buildings of you know how many kids are are living in those developments, and and to this day, I don't think I've ever really believed uh, any of those numbers that we would get on those sheets because you can go to Granada Highlands and see that half the Linden schools driving down the street at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, and you know when they say, "Oh, there's 48 kids living here," it's like. <laughs> No, there's not 48 kids living in there. I, I got in my packet, <laughs> packet from a developer who wants to develop the hospital, admitting his report, admitting there's 153 kids up at Granada Islands. Yeah. Think about I that. I mean, when you think about <laughs> the numbers, but I mean, you know, I think a piece of it, too, is we we tend to forget when we factor in a lot of this development stuff that culturally the city has changed. And there's a lot of diversity that's come into Malden, which is great in, in pretty much, you know, all, all avenues. But the piece that has always struck me, and it never really hit me until I spent, um, I spent uh, a couple of weeks in China my first, uh, my first year out of college. And um, when you think about, you know, we, we question uh, we, we're blessed to have a lot of immigrants who come here straight from uh, a different country. They don't, you know, filter in from other areas. You know, they're the real first-generation immigrants. They've lived in different conditions than what we're used to, and it's it's not uncommon that you would put a family of, 
nine people in a two-bedroom apartment or that you could actually fit a family of four in a one-bedroom apartment. And when people say, well, we're building this great apartment building and it's going to be all one-bedrooms and no families are going to live there, it's like, well, what about that family of four who already lives in a one-bedroom apartment? And they're like, hey, there's a new one. We'll move into that one. Um, it it really is – I think it's a sort of a fallacy that, that putting up new developments doesn't mean you're bringing in new people. Um, we're an attractive place to live. I Absolutely. mean, that's we've somehow made our, you know, it, we've made ourselves really desirable in, in lots of different areas. Families want to move here. Um, we experienced, you know, one of the biggest things that, that was surprising to me was that we built up such a, a stellar special ed department that people would want to come here to get the services um, that are, that are, department offers. And I'll never forget the, I think it was a family from Qatar um, who came here Islands, yeah, and right? they lived, no, 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 they no. lived in uh, oh, the development that, the development that's up uh, right next to the Heritage, the new one right on the bend there. Uh, on Florence On Street? Florence, because yeah. this was only maybe <laughs> six or seven years ago, came here, rented an apartment so that they could take advantage of, of the services. And it's, it's fantastic that we're known for that, but it's it's just an example of, you know, we will fit a family of however many we need to in that one-bedroom apartment when you have a product that people want to take advantage of. And, yeah, so I, I, you're right. I never believe those well, I numbers mean, that we get look, from developers. Yeah, and, and what, what we did do in the moratorium study, and it was one of the things that, you know, was they did a study. The firm we hired did a study on this and what they came back and told us. And, and this, is, this is my big gripe with MAPC, because MAPC looks at the overall picture. And you brought up uh, something where, you know, I've been called uh, some very rotten names <laughs> because, of because of the critique in yeah. terms of the, the demographics. And you brought it up, so I'm glad you did. The demographics have changed, yeah. right? So our city is different than a lot of other places. If you go back to MAPC in the late 90s, they told Malden in the late 90s that your population hasn't grown and you will still be at 53,000. We were at 56,000. They came back and, and I brought the reports. And anybody who wants to read these can go online, the city's master plan. One that's very, very interesting is the City of Malden master plan land use plan, which is a subset of the overall master plan done in 2009, voted on by the planning board unanimously, and voted on by uh, the city council. The master plan itself never got approved mm -hmm. because what was picked was very different than what the citizens wanted in 2007 uh, in the survey. And MAPC drove this process. Don't let anybody fool you. It, it says they basically wrote the thing. And they came out with a high growth plan. The city council, even in 2011, when we you know, finally got this thing, uh, was not on board with that, couldn't get a majority to pass it, yeah. could not. Because we knew, we didn't know, like you say, we couldn't prove it at that point, point, but you felt it. If you were in the neighborhoods, you knew. Yeah, you so, can feel the change. Change, yeah. right? And so the growth management study came in and, and told us, and MAPC again in 2009, and it's in these reports, says your population's not growing, and you'll be at 56,000. We were at almost 60,000, 59,650, right? And anybody who reads that knows we were over 60,000 because we have a population here uh, that does not like to be counted, yeah. right? For obvious reasons, no big deal. But to not recognize that 
is a challenge. And they're in here again, and you can go back to the December meeting with Mr. Drayson, and it, he and his assistant are up there, um, Ms. Milchman, saying, well, housing, uh, the number of people per house is coming down and has come down all around. And that, that is true in places like Somerville. They don't have the same diversity we have now, no. right? That is true in places like uh, Charlestown. They don't have the same diversity. That is true in places like South Boston. They don't have the same diversity that we have. And they also have a younger population. What we have here is a change in, in the diversity and immigrants. And this is, look, I have four children. So anybody who thinks this is anti-children, or any, it's a real, is it, you've got to realize what's really happening. So if you had a bunch of Neil Kinnons moving into the city and you were predicting that you were only going to have 1.7 children per couple, you got it wrong, Right. Well, we got it wrong because M we're being led by groups like MAPC who have been telling us you won't have more, ch more kids. They're now saying, the census is saying, we only have 61,000 people here. The study last year confirmed that that's not true, and we have at least 63,700 people here. The census still says that. The census also says we only have 25,100 houses still, and we have 26,800. Those are hard numbers. So if we grew, you know, since the census of 2010 came out, almost 2,000 units. Anybody who believes 2,000 units only brought us another 1,000 people is dreaming, yeah. right? And the study t tells us in that the growth management study, Malden in uh, 2000 was 2.08 people per apartment. It is now 2.42. That may not seem like this big thing. That's a 16% increase. It's also a little lower than I would have it, thought the increase it, would be, to be honest. But 16% but is huge yeah. in terms of your overall. When, when, you, <laughs> have, when you have now uh, you know, upwards of 17,000 apartments, right, between the apartments in the big buildings and the apartments in the two families and the three families, you have got a major change on your hands. And a major change is people say, well, the schools haven't gr grown that much. Well, when you guys graduate, when, when you guys were in uh, the middle school, we were 5,200 kids. The public school, the general public school, and you got to remember there's two public schools, that public and the charter. The city pays for both of them. Mm -hmm. The money comes out of the city. So the... School system now has about 6,600 kids. Six, it, it goes between 6,530 yeah, and yeah. 6,600, right? Somewhere in that range. So just that, since you, know, since you guys were in school, has gone up 13 to 1,400 students. And then charter schools have 1,000 kids. There was no charter school when you were in school. The charter school didn't open until 1998 for Marlin. You didn't have any kids in charter schools. Now there's a charter school in Everett. Kids from Marlin go there. So the actual increase has been about 2,300 kids. We've added 3,300 units, and that doesn't include all the units that are coming oh, online, yeah. right? Coming online. We've added 3,300 units since 1990, and we've added 2,300 kids. And we, we are set to do another 1,000 another thousand units 
is set to come online if we just stop. If anybody believes that's not going to bring more children into the system, they're truly kidding themselves. And to your point, Jerry, where are they going? And now charter schools, I don't know if you've read this, that, you know, Malden is at its cap. Yeah. So Mystic Valley, the Pioneer and Everett can accept no more. So in the last 20 years, if they took 1,000 and, and you're continuing to build, and believe me, the, the buildings we've just opened, they don't have kids. But what, what history tells us is in five years, after they've been lived in for a little bit, the, the families will start moving in, and they will have kids. And more and more people are renting. And all you got to know is the prices here are keeping people out of buying yeah, houses, right? They are well, out but of even, control. I mean, even the rents. The I, rents you know, are, but if you, you... I think about a two You can pay a, a rent, person. right? You can pay a rent. But if you don't have a down payment for a house, oh, you're not going to buy a house. Well, but I even think about, like, the buildings that are going up in the square and around, around the square. And, you know, could, could I, as a single individual, go rent in one of those buildings? Absolutely. Would it strap me? <laughs> Absolutely. If you had... Two people, you know, with the double income, bringing a kid in, a lot easier to rent in one of those buildings. And for people, you know, I know those that's where the, the single individual professional is going to want to live in this. You know, well, you know, I don't want to pay North End downtown Boston rates to live, you know, when I could live in a house in, you know, a floor of a three-family home in Malden for half the price. Right. So that's where the family, the two people with the income. And if I've, come, if I've come to your point from a country where they, where they you know, I'm in an apartment with one bedroom. The conditions and, and are I've, similar. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm putting six people and the grandparents in yeah. there, right? And I come to the United States, and now I've got an apartment with two bedrooms, yeah. right? I'm, I'm living like a king, I think, right? And, and that's, that's true of every immigrant group that's ever come here. It doesn't, ma you know, it doesn't matter if it was the Irish, whether it was the Italians. When you get here, you do what you got to do. To make it. Well, and the planning that went on, it's like we planned, I feel like we planned for us. You know, and when you think about, you, we have a unique challenge, and I think you said it well with the Charleston, South Boston, where, yes, people are, are moving in, but it's, we are fortunate enough to have this, like, incredible melting pot of people moving in. How do you effectively plan for cultures from all over the world to mesh together. And I think it's, it's remarkable that Malden does it really well, but it provides us like one of the most awesomely unique challenges in the district to figure out how do you plan for that? How do you effectively plan for that and make sure that it's reflected truthfully um, so that you you can actually make informed decisions so the leaders can make informed decisions about how you know you get into a situation where you're comfortable, not thinking about, are we going to be strapped forever? Right. And, and I think if we keep, keep building, uh, there's, there's another thing that's going to strap you. And uh, certainly as a person in education, uh, you know the truth on this. Mobility <laughs> is the big is the big, And I'll let you talk on it because I, I say it and people, oh, he doesn't, you know. I know it is the biggest, absolutely the most difficult thing that a teacher in a classroom can have. And when all you have is apartments... People move from apartment to apartment, oftentimes not because they want to, because I can get it. I'm strapped with the rent. The guy goes up on the rent again, right, in one of these apartments. But down the street, I can get it for $300 less. It's a little older, 
but I'll pay the, I'll move, right? And if that move takes me to Everett, I'll go to Everett. You'll do it. And, and that means that kid's not in your school system next year, but there's somebody coming here to fill his spot for a few years, and then they're gone. But the teacher in the classroom now, just last year, and I'm, again, I'm not picking on Malden. We've got to, you can't fix something unless you confront it. And the Malden Public Schools last year, the churn rate, which is those who are in there from September through, uh, through June, right, the kids who disappear, was 20%. 20%. The attrition rate, which is that which disappears over the summer, was another 9.4%. So nearly 30% of the children who started in Malden last year in September, the next September, are not there. But it also means, because our numbers aren't going down, that somebody's there to fill their slot who wasn't here last year. And the poor teacher who's counting on, because you know, when you're a fifth grade teacher or a third grade teacher, you're counting on that you have a system in your school, that that teacher taught X, Y, and Z in fourth grade. So when they get to fifth grade, they'll know this, right? I can count on it. If 30% of them are coming from other school systems, I don't care what teacher you are. You have an ungodly challenge on your hand. And that's not incumbent upon the teacher. That's incumbent upon the leaders, the politicians, to figure out a solution. There is a solution. It is untenable today for the public schools, probably because of the unions. But the charter schools do give you that answer. Mystic Valley, like other charter schools, but has a very low attrition and churn rate, down in the you know, 5 to 7% range, mm-hmm. just like the very wealthy communities. We're not very wealthy. But what we do have is kids can only come in to the lottery from six communities. But if they move anywhere in Massachusetts at any time, they can still stay there. And what you find is most parents would prefer to keep their kids in the school they're in. They would keep them in Malden. They would keep them in Medford. They w- so that, again, that is, that is an, something public schools that, should be doing. They could do it. Yeah. There is no reason the law can't change, which would allow a parent who changes a zip code to stay in the school of their choice. It doesn't take money from anybody. They were already there. And that, and that would, I guarantee you, because Mystic Valley has, has kids from 19 different communities right now. We can only take them from six. But they moved. But they moved. So when a kid moves to Boston, because his family's, something happened, or moved to Lynn, or moved to Chelsea, or moved, we have kids from Wilmington. Still making the commute down because the parent, the parents understand that, you know, I may be in a difficult situation. I want to make it not as difficult for my child. Or at the very least. I mean, so that's that's sort of the whole theory behind yeah. that five district partnership that, that we got pushed into for better or for worse a couple of years back. But, you know, I'm in a grades five through eight building in Chelsea. And, and since September, we've gotten six kids from Malden. We've got one from Mystic Valley. We've got two from Forestdale. <laughs> Two from Linden, and I think one from Ferryway. And just the idea that, you know, the kid that we got four weeks ago, it's April, couldn't have stayed in, in his building at least until June, let alone given them the option to stay. 
is baffling. It, it and at, completely people move. They have to move, right? That's they a reality. <laughs> you know whether or not you I got evicted. You they sold the house I live in. Is. Yeah, it's not a choice. Let yeah. me just uproot my kid in April and give him six, six, eight weeks with a brand new. It is people. very rare for yeah. a parent to ever want to do something like that, and yet there's a political solution to this. It's not on the teachers. No, and, and, it's on the leaders. And, and it can, is on the leaders that we thing. can allow this type of thing to happen. And that alone would make the teachers' jobs easier because they would have continuity within the classrooms coming up to them and be able to count on, oh, yeah, he's in the Malden system. I know he got this last year. It would make a huge difference. At least, you know, from all the studies I've read. I agree. We're, we're running low on time. I just Sorry. wanted to. No, I just, that's a, these are great topics you guys both have been, you know, talking about. Uh, another hot uh, button issue in the city that's coming is, is marijuana, and everyone's starting to talk about that. The libertarian side of me says that if this is regulated and we do this right, we can bring in serious money into the city. Am I wrong? I don't know. I really don't know. I, uh, I, I, I would tell you it's not nearly as much money as you think. And, uh, and you can do the, – the math can be done. Uh, this idea that it's going to bring in millions and millions of dollars to Malden is uh, highly, highly unlikely. Uh, it's a per capita thing. Uh, population is probably not much different than Colorado. Uh, Colorado's uh, bringing in about a billion dollars in revenue uh, today af- you know, after – it's more mature there. It's been going on for about five years. Uh, and uh, so if they bring in a billion based upon population uh, when it reaches its you know, peak in real, real dollars of today, uh, we could probably expect to see about $1.4 billion for the state. Uh, the state's grabbing most of that pie. Uh, they've already determined that they've got places for it to go. Uh, and then the cities and towns get you know, a 3% cut for whatever get sold out of their cities or towns. Again, if you uh, do the math on this, uh, we're, you know, we're probably looking at uh, if the prices stay up, and that's a big if. Uh, and in fact, if you look on the West Coast right now, uh, prices of marijuana are plummeting. Well, it goes so public and yeah. it becomes less. Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, if the prices stay up and we get that, uh, we're probably looking at in the neighborhood of five hundred thousand dollars to seven hundred thousand. Now, at the same time, you have costs, and uh, and anybody who tells you that there are no costs with that uh, is not being upfront with you, because there are costs for sure uh, with that. Um, is it worth it? The people voted for it. It could be. The, yeah. yeah. The people voted for it. It should be legalized in Massachusetts. I'm not a proponent of it. I've never tried it. Um, you know, I don't have, you know, people have tried all kinds of things, more libertarian uh, like you. I, th- I think, however, uh, it's the type of thing you want to go slow on. Uh, it's also the type of thing that doesn't belong everywhere, all over the place. Just, you know, some people bring up liquor. Uh, liquor is just as, you know, have just as many problems. Um, and, uh, and so we haven't, there's only one liquor, uh, store that can be given out left in Malden. Uh, there aren't that many liquor stores. There were more liquor outlets when I was a kid than there are today. (laughs) Uh, 
uh, and that's not under the Howard administration to back off, uh, you know, and to try to rein it in. Uh, I wish that, for instance, Sunnyhurst in Maplewood today didn't sell alcohol. It would be better. The store would be better. Uh, you could, you know, walk in there. That was a mistake. Didn't, you know, it happened 30 years ago. Uh, but we haven't. The city hasn't made those kind of mistakes since that time, yeah. right? They haven't been just giving them out. It should, be, you know, it's done by, you know, you have Vernon's Liquors in, is in a place that is, you know, probably okay. Probably it would be better if it wasn't there, uh, you know, considering the neighborhood and all. Um, but uh, there are places it could go uh, and should go because prohibition doesn't work, right? Uh, but the idea, again, that crime is going to go away uh, when you have high tax rates, just like cigarettes. Uh, cigarettes are on the black market all the time in Massachusetts. It, it won't be any different with pot. If you check out Washington, the state of Washington, Oregon, uh, California, uh, there will be a black market. There will still be crime. Uh, and that, to me, is the uh, the concern of uh, the big concern I have right now is everybody around us is banning it. Yeah. And if 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 you end up being the only one. People will come to us. And some of those people that are coming, it would be better if there was disbursement of some of the shady characters that are going to come. Uh, so I'm concerned uh, from that standpoint. Uh, you know, Everett banned it. Revere banned it. Uh, Winchester Bandit, Redding Bandit, Wakefield Bandit, Stoneham Bandit, uh, Saugus is getting ready to ban it. They didn't even vote for it. Saugus didn't vote for it. That, that, and Melrose put a moratorium uh, till the end of the year on recreational marijuana. They're opening up the medical dispensary, which, yeah. again, it's a different it's animal, a different animal yeah. right? And I suspect Melrose is going to make a move to ban recreational. Well, knowing how that, things that, are going around us. Yeah. And, and so then there's just us and Medford. Surprised that, about Everett and Revere. Huh? Yeah. yeah. I was shocked by yeah. it. So that concerns me because, you know, maybe it brings us more money. Maybe it brings us more headaches in that time that we've built all these apartments. We have, from 1990, we have 33 less firefighters. Yeah, we have less fire stations. House. We have 10,000 more people in the city. We have uh, no more. We haven't added a police officer mm. in about 30 years. <laughs> uh, we've built all these buildings. Our population is higher than it's ever, ever been, right? And then you get these stories, well, again, about Somerville and, uh, and Cambridge and all these places. Do you realize Somerville's population is less than it was in 1990? That's kind of fast. Do you, do you, do you realize that Winchester's population, uh, Melrose population, all the communities, there was an article that came out of this, this place this past week uh, that I've been highly critical of, uh, and, it, and it brought up Lexington. Uh, not comparable. Uh, uh, all these non-comparable yeah. places, right, uh, including Somerville. It brought up uh, uh, Jamaica Plain, and if you uh, if you go to the income, and I'll be I will be publishing something on this, but if you go to the uh, median household incomes, it's not even they shouldn't even be mentioned in the same uh, the same sentence as Malden. What was put on there? They also brought up Alex, uh, Arlington, Virginia. Arlington, Virginia, as a place of smart growth. Uh, ha has about 7,000 uh, 
7,000 people per square mile. Marlin has 12,600 and will be over 13,000 very soon with what's going up. So uh, Medford, uh, most people c compare us to Medford. Medford's population, while they've increased, uh, Medford was 105% of uh, uh, the state median income in 1990, they're now 113%. Malden was 93%, we're now 84%. Uh, Medford, in the same time that we've gone up in population, uh, has come down in population. Medford shrank. Medford was 64,000. Uh, they are now 57,000. All those communities that are healthy have said, no MAPC, we're not signing up for your plan. Where they're dumping them is into Malden, where they've conned us, Everett, where they've conned them, Chelsea, where they've conned them. And uh, Melrose uh, has basically, you know, ba Me Melrose is less population than in 1990, less population than in, uh, than in uh, 1970 by about, I think, 5,000 people. Uh, so, so there'll be uh, much coming out on this. Uh, so I'll, I'll this is just a good illustration of how much we're affected by the people around us. Oh, absolutely. You know? They're not doing... We're at our affordable housing, yeah. right? MAPC is coming in here and threatening us on 40B. Um, you know, there's not one community touching us, including Everett and Revere, that is, that is at 10%. Yeah. We are at 10% with everybody else's Section 8s in here because we have so many apartments. What with the we're we're running out of t again. I we can we can go we can go all night on this and there's other topics. Maybe I'll have both views come on in the future. Uh, what I like to do as we wind down is something both views are very familiar with. Uh, personal privilege. I, I don't want to get in trouble, so I want to wish my mother a happy birthday. Tomorrow's her 80th birthday, so happy birthday to you, Ma. Um, Adam, anything you want to wrap up? Anything going on in the city? No, you know, well, first off, happy birthday, Mom, Mama Leone. Um, anybody who knows Mama Leone knows that she's a wonderful woman, and uh, anybody who knows Jerry knows that one of his most endearing qualities is, is how much he loves his mom and how kind he is. Um, no, you know, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, this is, you know, and we're both kind of passive watchers of it now. I'm looking forward to seeing all this change that's happening in Malden and the school system. You know, it's nice to have... Uh, our new superintendent, who, although he's close to living in Malden, doesn't live in Malden, but he's a Malden guy. And it's kind of nice to have sort yeah. of a, a person who is familiar with the community and, and invested, which uh, is a change for us, I think, over the past decade or so. Um, and a lot of things are happening. And, and it's been really nice to be able to watch them and not have to be up there and make some of those hard decisions, but, but to still really be rooting on our colleagues um, and, and hoping for their progress. So I, I look forward to watching that happen and, and continuing to try to play an active part in it. One thing I found out, which is really nice, is that you can get almost more done not as an elected official when you're able to sort of put your voice out there and put your put your put lend your name and lend your time and energy to causes that you care about. You know, I, I do. I loved being on the school committee. I really loved it. Um, you know, I think I accomplished more last year working at the Forestdale School and being a part of a lot of different nonprofits than I ever did on the school committee because you're on the ground and you're really doing good work and lending your name and your, your energy to things you care about. So I look forward to playing it out with you. 
Uh, I, I would just say uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful Memorial Day that's coming up. Jerry, I think you may have some. I think there's a parade and, <laughs> and all of that going on. So, uh, the uh, again, I, I would just say uh, echo what Adam says. Uh, for those people out there, uh, you know, I've served. Uh, I had many of my most productive years uh, prior to serving on the city council. I expect to have many of my most productive years, uh, you know, after being on the city council uh, and being uh, and lending my voice, if nothing else, uh, to what I see as right and what I see as uh, wrong. And I would, I would hope that uh, all citizens uh, step up and, uh, and don't just take it. Let your representatives, because they, they're there to represent you. And when they're not, you need to let them know. When they're not following the will of the people, you need to let them know. And if they don't listen then, you need to vote them out. That's how I'll end. Thank you. And I will end with I hope everyone has a safe weekend, and I want to remember the, the lives that were lost through all our wars since the beginning of this country. I'm, I'm a veteran. And um, thank when you. people, thank you. Um, we have our day on, on Veterans Day, but this this is special because we remember the people that had lost their lives. So, all the people in Malden, be safe. You know, don't get behind the wheel and drive. Take an Uber. I guess that's it's exploding now. Everyone's taking an Uber, <laughs> and everyone. Uh, uh, my next show is in June. I don't know who my hosts are yet. Uh, I don't know. The last two shows have been great, so I wish I can have more people on. At the same time, and like I said, we could have went on all night, and those are just two topics that are really important in the city, and there's others, obviously, um, but like I said on my last show, it seems like each ward has their different different issue, yeah. but some stick out more than others, and you know, uh, the school committee and the city council have to tackle that. Like Neil said, if they're not doing their job, then you vote them out, and if you think you can do a better job than run. Run. That's, yeah. you know, absolutely. Run for office. And good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's fun. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. Great to see you. Yeah.